Hello and welcome to the Demystifying Media podcast. I'm Damien Radcliffe, the Carolyn S. Chambers Professor of Journalism at the University of Oregon. And today we're going to be talking with a special guest, Hamid Aliaziz, an SOJC alumni now based at the Los Angeles Times, where he covers immigration. Hamid has joined us on campus throughout the week as a journalist in residence, meeting with students, faculty and student groups to talk about his work and career path. Ali Aziz came to the Times from BuzzFeed News, where he also covered immigration and consistently broke news on Trump and Biden policies, revealed several internal reports detailing conditions within the Homeland, Department of Homeland Security and documented how ICE deported a group of children to Guatemala after a federal court judge said it couldn't. Before that, he covered race, civil rights and immigration at the San Francisco Chronicle, was a criminal justice reporter at the Daily Journal and did a year-long fellowship at Mother Jones. After graduating from the SOJC and the University of Oregon with a degree in journalism in 2009, he spent 18 months as a research assistant for Reza Aslan, the well-known Iranian-American scholar. A Livingston Award finalist in 2021, which honours outstanding reporting of journalists under the age of 35, in 2020 he was awarded the Media Leadership Award given to individuals whose efforts in the media most accurately depict immigration and immigrants, as awarded by the AILA, the American Immigration Lawyers Association. He lives in California with his wife and two young sons and is a passionate San Francisco 49ers and Giants fan. Hamid, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. So um, I wanted to start right at the beginning, really, of your sort of journalistic journey. Um, many people get into journalism through a variety of different routes, but I think you have a very particular kind of moment and experience in your life and your family's life that really helped you understand the power of journalism and of, of reporting. And you were just eight years old when this happened to you. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, my father had immigrated here from uh, Iran to, to study at Oregon State University. And by the late 1990s, the U.S. government uh, had ordered him uh, to, to leave the country because his visa had expired. The issue, uh, the issue with that was that my older brother uh, was severely disabled and was forced to, uh, had to uh, be in a specialized care home with around-the-clock 24-7 care. Uh, he was there from a young age as a young boy. So this uh, deportation, this this removal, uh, would have led to my family, my parents, and me and my younger brother were both born in the United States, but would have went with my parents back to Iran while my older brother would have remained in the United States. This separation was grounds for a story uh, by a reporter for the Oregonian who wrote a compelling feature about my family situation. And because of that story, uh, there, my, my family received an outcry of uh, support from uh, advocates and all kinds of community leaders, uh, as well as politicians. After some time, my family was able to get an attorney and win their case in immigration court, and now they're U.S. citizens. So I saw firsthand the power of journalism, the potential impact of journalism. And, you know, the one thing I always say is that uh, the, the reporter, Katie Muldoon, her name was well known in my home. You know, that was a name that was revered in my home. So I knew that, you know, the impact a single journalist can have on 
a single family or a community, um, the power, the power of journalism. Yeah. And presumably, it took a little while for you to be able to kind of process and comprehend that, hand that power. But did that also influence your desire to tell particular types of stories as a, as a journalist, or did that happen kind of more by? By circumstance, I know, for example, you, you you cover immigration now, but it wasn't until sort of 2015, 2016 that that really emerged as the beat that you wanted to specialize in and were, and were able to do so. Yeah, when it comes to the type of reporting I wanted to do, I, I think when I first started out, I just wanted to get in a newspaper, get in a publication, cover whatever was uh, big at the time, be a part of the conversation, really. You know, I think that was one of the things that, I was so yearning for was, you know, reading really interesting stories from incredible places or, you know, events and feeling like how amazing it would be to be able to to be one of these reporters. It seemed like a dream. So it wasn't until uh, former President Trump was, you know, gaining steam in the GOP nomination process that I ultimately started to do some immigration stories uh, for the San Francisco Chronicle, and I just naturally kind of gravitated toward it because there were so many elements uh, to this beat, uh, government accountability stories, feature stories about human beings, the ability to translate really complicated policies that impact a lot of people through the lens of families and people that are uh, compelling and you, you know the neighbors of uh, readers. So it just had all these elements that seemed really interesting to me. And within that kind of broad spectrum of different types of stories that you might work on, do you have particular ones that you most enjoy doing? Or is it actually the diversity of everything from breaking news to feature writing to more investigative pieces? Is that part of the appeal to you? Yeah, I enjoy that diversity of experience. I I love the ability to jump on something that's happening, that's breaking, and then you know, being forced to write a story on deadline and to you know, get the voices that you need, the data that you need, the experts that you need to talk to, uncovering, you know, a nugget of information that uh, really cuts through the news cycle, those challenges of of daily reporting and deadline writing. um, It's really fun to me. At the same time, I love being able to get to know a a subject or an individual and really unwrap a, a compelling narrative and be forced to, you know, spend time writing a feature that uh, reads well, that uh, that flows well, that, you know, draws in readers. That's that's another type of challenge, a completely different type of challenge. And at the same time, accountability reporting, I think, is uh, just kind of one of the main tenets of this uh, industry is to, to keep the powerful accountable and to uh, do that type of reporting and to, you know, that just pushes you in a different direction to uh, in, in all kinds, you know, different types of skills while at the same time maintaining, you know, the, the writing abilities. But it's just, it's more about the reporting. It's more about being able to, to figure out, uh, you know, where to go to un- uncover details that the public, you know, wasn't unaware of. And I want to come back to accountability in, in a moment, but I also want, I want to talk a little bit about trust first, because I think one of the things that's really interesting about the beat that you're covering is that, first of all, you're working with 
with many sources, both in terms of officials, but also people who are and communities that are going through particular cases or feeling the repercussions of different policies. Neither of those are obvious constituents who would necessarily want to talk to a journalist. So how do you engender trust in those uh, different sources? Yeah, I think transparency with anybody that you're talking to, you know, your purpose of, you know, why you're speaking with them. I think oftentimes, you know, when it comes to people who are in vulnerable situations, especially, you know, immigrants uh, who are potentially undocumented, there's a real fear about talking to the media and what that will lead to. So that transparency, discussing, you know, why you're doing what you're doing, you know, what you're going to be doing exactly with the conversation, the purpose of uh, this this story, um, being as transparent as possible about the entire process as well. Um, you know, when the type the story could potentially come out, uh, walking through any fears they have around uh, a story coming out. All these things make the, the, the person you're interviewing and, and talking to trust you more because so often I've come across people who haven't had that experience with the media. They don't know what's going to happen when they talk to you. They're, they're scared of um, the way they're going to be discussed, the way they're going to be framed, the, the, you know, the potential threat to themselves or their family from talking to you. So, you know, that's one element. And then also just, you know, making sure they know that you're going to fact check everything, that, you know, there's, there's no surprises and that you won't, you know, get a single fact wrong. Can you say a little bit more about that fact checking process and how you navigate that, um, both as an individual, but presumably there are also other people that are involved in that mix. So when you're dealing with, say, some of your government cases, Presumably there are lawyers that you might have to bring in as part of some of those conversations and, of course, support from editors as well. Yeah, I think it's just a it's it's a different process for different stories. But so often you're bringing in yourself, uh, you know, other editors to really go through the story line by line to you know fact check every single fact, everything that could be uh, open for questioning you know, going through the documents that you already have, reading them, you know, countless times, not just once. You know, so often what I do is, you know, I get something like a document and I just write a story based off of what I think is the story. I think that's the best way to do my work is to see something and write what I feel is the news from it. And then I return and I read that document over and over and over and I go through my story as well. And... If there's any additional context I add to my story, I will fact check every single fact, ages, you know, spellings of name, names, you know, dates, everything, um, making sure you have that um, real diligence with every piece um, and being willing to, you know, listen to, to, to questions and, and challenges from other editors on certain facts that sometimes aren't, you know, quite as uh, cut and dry. And you started at Mother Jones as a fact checker, so presumably this this was sort of hardwired into your DNA um, at that point. But th- a lot of those jobs, of course, have disappeared, and then the speed of our news cycle may also be one of the reasons why perhaps fact checking is not always as robust as as it should be. Is that a fair observation of uh, the state of the industry? Certainly, I think it's um, it's changed a lot, and I you know I have an extended experience of the 
the the golden days, as they describe it, of the, the industry back in the day, you know, decades ago, where the resources were unlimited. I think it's now more incumbent on the reporters doing the work and the editors involved to make sure that everything is accurate. But I think there's no reason why, you know, any reporter can't do that work on their own. It's just a matter of setting aside the appropriate time, setting aside, you know, really being focused on it, you know, just being honestly a little anxious about, uh, you know, the facts. I think also just having the seriousness about the work and how important it is not to get a single fact wrong is essential. Yeah. And presumably that that approach is also part of the trust building you've talked about in terms of the relationships with with sources. And um, you talked a little bit this week about some of the tools you use. So um, like Signal, for example, is a way for people to be able to contact you um, anonymously. Um, And then also a very memorable quote from a class that you spoke at when you talked about being subpoenaed by ICE and saying, I would literally go to jail for my sources. Yeah, I think having that, you know, the trust of your sources is ultimately the only way I can do uh, my work, you know, regardless of whether or not that this person is within the government or, you know, a business and then risking their, um, you know, their future by, by talking to me, or if it's a immigrant uh, or family, whoever it is, you know, maintaining that trust, you know, having that transparency, you know, l- talking through, you know, what, what people are scared about um, and, and being willing to be empathetic and a human being goes a long way. And so for people who want to get into this field and particularly might be interested in this, in this beat, what further advice do you have for them? I would say, you know, especially for college students um, and, and others, you know, reading, uh, reading reporters' work, reading, you know, writers that you finding, you know, writers that you really admire, and consuming as much journalism as possible, because through that reading, you understand how stories are written, the the tricks that that reporters employ to compel you to, to continue reading. And sometimes you can pick up on, on ways they do their, their reporting itself. That's incredibly important. Um, I'd also say to just try to get as much experience as possible. Try to do the job. Um, you know, join student media. Try to find internships. Because the more you do journalism, the more you, you know, learn uh, the skills necessary for this this work. And you also learn... You know what aspect of this industry that you you know like to do, whether it's multimedia, video, podcasting, or uh, print media. So I would definitely encourage all students, especially at the U of O, to, to apply for LA Times fellowships and internships, and you know other publications as well. But it's incredibly important. It sounds like you also need to have your finger on the pulse and, and to some extent kind of drive your own career. Um, as If I kind of read the tea leaves correctly from when you were talking earlier on in the week, um, you started covering immigration at the San Francisco Chronicle and then kind of recognized that this was a growing area and that um, BuzzFeed hired you in part because you kind of 
proposed that this was something that you that they should be covering and that that you could do is that yeah is that a correct interpretation yeah i mean i kind of badgered ben smith about it the former editor-in-chief and um really put myself out there and that's another part of this as well as to with you know trying to gain a foothold in this industry is to not be shy you know try to reach out as to as many people as possible put your you know your name your clips in front of the editors and the publications that you want to work for um and, you know and get those clips and that that that's why the experience matters is because once you get that you have something to show people um you know that you can do this job so that was that was certainly something that I was doing and thinking about and seeing you know sometimes a gap in, in coverage on uh, immigration nationally that you know I really wanted to to jump the chance of covering it and to you know explore this beat uh, across this country. Now we know that issues around um, mental health and uh, kind of work-life balance are increasingly important, and we're having much more kind of conversations around that in newsrooms. But also, our students are also very kind of cognizant of this. And so, I'm curious about how. I mean, you're a journalist of color. You're writing about people of color, and you're writing about an intensely political topic. There are multiple facets there that put you in in the firing line. Um, how do you kind of navigate that, uh, particularly in terms of kind of online attention that you might get, some of which would be uh, unwarranted? Yeah, I've certainly been the target of attacks, and I think initially it's it's hard not to feel uh, kind of bad about it. Uh, um, but I take it as fuel to you know fire I kind of have taken this approach where I, I take that those attacks especially from people who are not coming from a good place to continue to push me to do you know the, the reporting and the stories that I want to do and to just keep my head down and, and continue reporting that's the only thing that matters that's the only thing that really will um, you know determine my future and my ability to do the work that uh, I want to do is for me to continue to focus on trying to get better at reporting, better at writing, and to maintain uh, the the level that I'm at. And as far as trying to maintain my mental health, that that can be difficult, especially with the attacks, but just the you know um, the challenges of the job and the time and the, the the experiences, the things that you see. So it's really important for me to process this with my my family, my friends, to you know, be present with my children when I'm with them, um, to have some time away from my phone, uh, screens, and to also just be able to listen to music and to, to go on runs and play basketball. These things are really important for me to maintain my sanity. Mm-hmm. And then uh, if, if we go back to your time at the, at the SOJC, um, one of the most memorable experiences uh, that you've talked a little bit about with me um, previously was studying abroad. I wondered if you could just say a little bit about that, how that kind of shaped you both as a journalist and by the sense of it as, as a person too. Yeah, I, I was. I went to Amman, Jordan in 2007, the summer of 2007. I was there for a year. And I'd always been really interested in the region, you know, because of my, my own family's, you know, background, but also there was a lot happening at the time, obviously. The Iraq War increasing sectarian violence, um, you know, these 
authoritarian regimes across the region and instability. So I saw an opportunity to go abroad and spend some time getting to know it on the ground. It seemed really exciting to me, you know, not to read stories from there, but to actually be there to, to walk on that, um, that part of the, the, the world. But the reality of that is, you know, you show up at age, I was 19 or 20, and, you know, it's a lot different than Oregon. It's a lot different than Portland. And I was initially very kind of not, not scared, but wanting to come back, you know, uncomfortable. I just was like, I need to figure out a way to shorten my trip. I'm just going to do one term here, or I'm just going to, I'm going to go somewhere else. And it was through talking to some older students who had done the same program that really made me feel like, okay, just take a breath, continue with this experience, find, you know, your people here, find an experience here that'll make you grow. And I learned from that just how to um, push through being uncomfortable in an uncomfortable situation by myself um, and, and how, to, how to make any situation work. Um, regardless of the challenges and being able to find an internship there at an English language magazine. I mean, I was actually rejected from it my my first term. In my second term, I went back and I had a different idea for the interview, different story pitches, and I got the internship and I was able to work there and it was an amazing experience. And, and it was, you know, it allowed me to publish some clips. So it just taught me that I could, you know, go through anything and survive it. Yeah. It's, it sounds like that resilience was was incredibly important. I mean, you're a long way from home. You have to find a way to navigate it. But also recognizing that just because something makes us feel uncomfortable doesn't mean it's not it's necessarily a bad thing. That actually we can use that to develop as people and as journalists. Yeah, definitely. It's almost like a you know fight or flight. You know you, that feeling that you have where you just want to like escape this moment. You feel very uncomfortable, and I think that sometimes you feel that throughout your career when you're given you know, challenging assignments or, you know, especially as a young reporter sent somewhere where you are nervous, the the stakes of what you're reporting on, the, you know, the fact that it's going to be on the, the front page of the newspaper, you don't want to mess up, you don't want to get anything wrong, you, you want to make sure you're um, doing work that is at the level of more experienced reporters, all these things in your head as you're going to the scene um, can be overwhelming, but I think it's the only way you can grow is to, to be in those uncomfortable situations. Mm-hmm. And then this is your first time back on campus since you graduated back in 2009, having this conversation in late October 2022. Um, what what advice would you have for students who are kind of where you were 15 years or so ago? Yeah, I mean, I think, like I said, I think the experiences are really important to try to find any experience to go wherever that experience is, like wherever that internship is, wherever that job is, um, to, to get that firsthand opportunity uh, will, will do wonders for you, um, regardless of where it is. That's really important. Um, I also would say, you know, having faith that if you work hard, if you're determined and persistent, that things will work out. I mean, I, you know, I think I was just so stressed out my senior year of college about, you know, my future and where it would lead to. And it didn't seem like there was a defined 
path for me. And I think, you know, not, I, I wish I could go back and tell myself, you know, like not to, to be stressed out quite as much and to maybe enjoy my last year here on campus because it is ultimately a really special place uh, with really great people and, and it's it's so beautiful and um, you know I really I really miss that time um, so yeah just I think living in the moment being present at the same time um, you know just working hard and not letting anybody push you away from your path you'll be just fine. Mm-hmm. And I think there's a lot of parallels when I mean, you're graduating in 09 during the Great Recession, the kind of huge economic uncertainty that students are are, are facing now. I think kind of it, there are parallels definitely for, for for students that you've met over the last week. And I was very struck by the fact you you haven't sugarcoated the conversation with them. Like you, know, you were very clear, for example, when you did your public lecture um, on Tuesday of saying you weren't sure if this was the right thing for you and it took you a while to find your place within this industry. There were several points at which you thought you might leave it. I think it's really important for students to hear that that reality and that it's not necessarily going to be a smooth transition to to where you want to be. Yeah, I mean, you know, I didn't really have any connections in this industry. I didn't have a sense of, you know, how to make a career in journalism and there was no real defined path. And especially during a time with the Great Recession where it felt like, you know, news newspapers and uh, newsrooms were laying off so many people and closing and it seemed so uh, daunting. And even a few years into my career, you know, it wasn't really happening. There was no, there was no job that I felt like uh, was stable and permanent and, and made me, uh, you know, happy and like I felt like you know, there was a future in it. But I think that's okay, you know. There's so many people I know, especially who graduate during uncertain times where the first few things they do in their career, um, you know, don't define what they do later on. They don't, it's just a matter of trying to, you know, survive, to, to gain the skills you need in the future, and then look for other opportunities, to constantly be searching for opportunities to to get you to where you want to go. Um, that resiliency is incredibly important because there were multiple times when I had people tell me, you know, um, you know, this industry wasn't for me for a variety of reasons, but I just kept on going. You know, I had friends who pushed me to keep going. I had family who kept, you know, told me to keep going. And as I did, I slowly, you know, found my way. Well, um, we really appreciate all of the time and insights that you've given us during the course of the last last um, last week. And I'm curious just to kind of wrap up with, you know, we've downloaded an awful lot from you. What have you taken away from, from us and your experience back on campus? Yeah, it's inspiring to talk to students and to, to, to hear their their interests and to hear them, you know, especially I remember your class, the story pitches, the story pitches that your students were providing. It was really cool to hear their, you know, excitement at their stories, you know, and, and, um, their kind of openness to go out and to, to report these stories. And then in, in Eugene, it was like, you know, reminded you of the beauty of the, the power of this industry. And, um, you know, I was really also struck by just the incisive questions that the, the student body had, um, really forced me to think and, um, 
it was I, I picked up on it I don't know it kind of inspired me even more to you know the, the like I said the, the greatness of, of journalism um, it was yeah amazing great well the greatness of journalism is always a good end point for a conversation uh, Hamid thank you so much for joining us today and for uh, all of the time you've spent with us during the course of the past week. Um, do keep an eye out on our website for materials from Hamid's visit, including his uh, guest lecture. Um, you can find that on our website, which is demystifying.uoregon.edu. In the meantime, it just remains for me to thank once more our guest today, Hamid Aliaziz. Until next time, thank you for listening. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not check out another from the University of Oregon School of Journalism and Communication. The Listener's Podcast is a show about the craft and power of listening. We talk with media and communication experts, thought leaders, doers and innovators whose ideas can amplify the quality of our dialogue and interactions. Subscribe to the show anywhere where you find your other favourite podcasts and visit listenerspodcast.com to go deeper with each of our episode's show notes. Thanks for listening.